Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Good. Difficult, isn't it? You can see why I came out with eight now. Well, as I said, I'm a teacher. I teach English to women from all over the world. And it's fascinating to watch how these women portray themselves. For example, the women from Afghanistan are hidden behind their clothing, clothing which tells us who they are. Often their eyes are lowered or fixed on their children. But as they grow stronger in language, they also grow in confidence And there's a change to how they come into class. Maybe that reflects a change in the way that they see themselves. Or the women from Eastern Europe are much more noticeable. They love wearing clothing that shows a very different cultural approach. They enjoy the wide fashion choice on offer here in the UK. And they explore bold options and love taking selfies of themselves to send back home. I wondered how you answered that question about who you are. What I was really asking was, how do you see yourself? Or maybe, how do you want to be seen? I wonder if you answered with confidence or if you struggled to use only two words. I wondered if you used your job to define yourself. Or if something fundamental has happened in your life recently, which has coloured your current view of yourself. If we're classically British, then we're often self-deprecating, aren't we? We love mocking ourselves gently. So maybe your answer was, oh, disorganized parent or optimistic golfer. Maybe, in fact, you feel as if you're unseen for one reason or another. Society doesn't really pay you much attention anymore. Why am I talking about being seen Because tonight I'd like us to talk about three things that we can learn about God from this passage in Judges that Jason read to us. And the first thing I'd like us to think about is that we have a God who sees us. A God who sees us not just as we are, but also who we can become. So let's look at Judges chapter 6. The chapter starts, the section that Jason didn't read first few verses start with the decision by the people of Israel towards unfaithfulness to God. And this has resulted in them no longer having the protection of God's presence. So, as I said, they're given into the hands of Midian and her allies. This idea of being seen, or rather trying not to be seen, is there at the start of the chapter as we learn about what it felt like to live under occupation. You see, the Midianites were plunderers. Like locusts, it says, they stole all the food and crops from the people of Israel. As a result, starving Israel went underground into caves, mountain clefts, and strongholds. 
So far from being a light to the nations around her, as she was supposed to be, we see God's people as those who are hiding from sight and crying out to God. Surely they must feel as if he has disappeared from view. In verse 7, we read, God sends a prophet, another word for prophet is seer, who reminds them that in fact it was their own actions that have resulted in their view of God being obscured. So in verse 11, we're introduced to our unlikely hero, Gideon. And what's Gideon doing? He's also hiding from sight. He's threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now, if you've ever seen wheat being threshed, you'll know what wheat needs is wind. The heads of grain are beaten, and then the results are thrown up into the air, and the chaff is carried away in a cloud, and the grains fall down, ready to be gathered. So the normal place to thresh wheat would have been on top of a hill or out in the open fields. But where's Gideon? Gideon is sunk down in the wine press. It's a pit dug into the ground where the grapes are trodden for their juice to be extracted. Gideon's being forced to do the wrong job in the wrong place, and he's doing so in order to be hidden from sight. But we have a God who sees us. The angel of the Lord, or it might have been God himself, has seen Gideon. We're told the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon as if he suddenly noticed him. And the words the angel uses to greet him are surprising ones. Let's look at verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, and here's Gideon's two words, mighty warrior. Those two words are what's chosen to address Gideon. So I've been thinking a lot about those words this week. First of all, I think they seem a little bit ironic. I don't know if you agree with me. Is Gideon really a mighty warrior in this scene? Well, some commentaries make out that his family was one that was related to kings. So it was an apt greeting. But I think in this scene, we see a man who's hiding in fear, desperately trying to provide for his family and keep the food from the Midianites. We know that Gideon's father, Joash, was still alive, but he wasn't chosen by the angel, maybe because, in verse 25, it tells us he was a worshipper of the false god, Baal. And in verse 15, we see Gideon's people group, or clan, was the weakest. Gideon's position in the family, too, is not one that would have earned a claim. He actually claims to be the least, and in the message, the version says, I am the runt of the litter. So this is how Gideon sees himself, and yet he earns this greeting, mighty warrior. I get the idea Gideon wouldn't have answered our icebreaker question with those words, because he completely disregards them. We've never lived in an age when we have felt more on view, have we? CCTV footage covers huge swathes of our country, and Instagram demands that we are photo-ready at all times. In many ways, then, we feel as if we are always, there's always a possibility of us being seen. But I wonder if actually there's less accuracy in how we see ourselves as a result of this. If I can always decide which me am I going to portray today, then maybe I never really get to grips with the real me. 
when it comes to how we live as believers, maybe like Gideon, we too can brush away the words of hope and purpose that God uses to greet us because we're looking at life through a lens that's been distorted by our society. After all, if the voices I listen to for the majority of my week are ones that tell me I need a filter on my photos in order to be acceptable, then how can I believe I could actually walk in confidence as a worthy daughter of the King of Kings? What I think we can take from the whole sweep of Scripture and that we see played out in this opening statement to Gideon is that God both sees us with a close-up lens and no filter, the Lord is with you, but also he sees us with his unique long-term vision, mighty warrior. God sees us as a work in progress. God sees us, even though we are imperfect, anxious and unsure, as those he can use to carry out his work. And I think this perspective is what lay behind his words to Gideon. Verse 14 tells us that God's mission for Gideon was to save Israel out of Midian's hand. And to do that, he needed a mighty warrior. Tonight at Emmanuel, we're reading these Old Testament verses through our New Testament lens. What does it tell us about how God sees us in the New Testament? Well, for those who put their trust in Jesus and his saving work on the cross, the Bible tells us in Colossians 3, verse 3, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So in fact, after all, we're also living lives that are hidden. But unlike the people of Israel in this story, or those of us in the 21st century who hide behind photo filters, We aren't hiding out of fear of being seen. We're hidden in the most wonderful way. We're hidden by being covered or sheltered by the strong and saving arms of Jesus. And further on in Colossians 3, we're given a two-word description in verse 12. We are his chosen ones, holy and beloved. Holy, we're set apart for God's purpose. Beloved, we are cherished and adored by our Heavenly Father. Maybe resting in those two words is where God wants us to be as we ask him to help us to see ourselves as he does. So God sees us both as we are in our imperfections, but also covered because of the saving love of Jesus. And as this phrase, mighty warrior, teaches us, he has a way of seeing us that brings a sense of mission. And that leads me to my second point. We believe we have a God who sends us. Following the greeting from the angel, let's look at verse 13. But, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our father told us about when they said, Didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Gideon, our unlikely hero, reacts as so many of us react when we're asked to put our trust in a God who's done amazing miracles and rescues in the past and yet seems not to have answered our prayers in recent times. 
particularly when we're desperate for a change, we surely understand Gideon's response. Why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders? The Lord has abandoned us. And later in verse 15, how can I? And in verse 17, please give me a sign. And what is God's answer? Let's look at verse 14. Go in the strength you have. Am I not sending you? Gideon gives the excuse of weakness, but the angel of the Lord was having none of it. You can imagine him saying, look up, Gideon, look at me. This isn't your idea. It's not you having to find the answer. It's me who's sending you. Then he says this amazing phrase, go in the strength you have. Don't look at what you don't have, but look at what you do. This reminds me of Moses, who met with God in different circumstances and was also asked to carry out a really difficult task of deliverance. Gideon refers to that when he talks about the rescue from Egypt. God's answer to Moses' doubts was, what is in your hand? I love that, because actually you can imagine Moses' answer being one of dismissal. Why is he even asking me that? holding it out. Well, look, God, it's my walking stick. It's my shepherd's staff. It's not exactly a sword, is it? But God's answer is to transform it into a snake in answer to Moses' protests. Pete and I have moved around a bit over the last few years. At times, it's been something we felt really clear about, a sense of being sent by the God who sends us somewhere because God wants us to go there. At other times, unwanted circumstances have dictated where we've been sent or where we've been asked to stay. And this makes it much harder to walk in excitement and confidence. And at those times, like Gideon, we've sometimes lost sight of what God's done in our past, the faithful way that God has of working quietly and purposefully behind the scenes. Some years back, when we moved back to the UK after living abroad, I had stepped away from my job And my identity completely changed as a result. I felt actually desperate. I felt as if I'd lost all purpose and direction. But looking back at that time, I can testify that God did just what I'm talking about tonight to you. In answer to my prayers, he used what I had in my hand. My love for those from other cultures and backgrounds. My love of teaching and sharing what I have with those who don't have as much as me. Those didn't feel like very much at the time. And like Gideon in verse 15, I compared myself to others and came out lacking. But God turned to me and said, go in the strength you have. Not go in the strength of all those others, but go in the strength you have. And I can tell you today that his faithfulness in my past is giving me the experience to hold on through more circumstances that I might not have chosen today. I wonder what you have in your hand tonight. One of the things I've learned over the years is that God loves to use our previous skills and experience to shape our present and move us into the future. In Moses' case, that was the walking stick that became a snake. In my case, it was my love of teaching and helping the marginalized. In Gideon's case, it was maybe God seeing that he was working diligently and faithfully in the wine press, using what was available 
Maybe it was because he had the eyes to notice the angel of the Lord rather than eyes fixed on the altar of Baal. A Breitbart survey taken a couple of years ago had the shocking headline, nine in ten young Britons believe their lives have no purpose. This aimlessness is something God wants to replace with his purpose. It's his delight to give our lives, young and old, direction and meaning. When we walk by faith with a God in whose hands we've placed our lives, we hear those words, am I not sending you? You see, it is God who sends us. It's God who makes the plans. And it's us who steps out with what we have, going where God asks us to go. God says, go in the strength you have. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, this being sent thing still sounds like something I really don't have the courage or the vision for. That's okay. Let's go to our final point. God goes with us. God goes with us. It's actually such good news and we take it so much for granted. Let's look at how much God reassures Gideon in the passage before us today. Our unlikely hero here, he doesn't jump in Tom Cruise style, all chiseled jaw and parkour leaps to his assignment. Instead, as we've seen, he stutters and stammers his doubts out. And the doubts keep coming, as we'll see next week. But look here at God's kindness. His first phrase to Gideon in verse 12 is the huge assurance, the Lord is with you. In response to Gideon's protests of weakness, he assures him in verse 16, I will be with you, not just a present tense anymore, but an assurance of walking into the future together. And finally, look at verses 17 and 18, when Gideon begs God to give him a sign. Is it really you? Please wait. Can you believe how gently God handles Gideon? He tells him, I will wait until you return. He then shows trustworthiness and power as he sends fire that consumes the bread and meat offering. And the result is that Gideon is completely convinced that he has the ability to step up out of the wine press and onto the terrifying road ahead of him because of who goes with him. We'll go on to look more at Gideon on his rescue mission next week. But let's stay in this place where we are tonight by looking at God. The kindness, reassurance, and visibility of God's presence that goes with us, as demonstrated here, are seen throughout the whole Bible. These are perfectly and beautifully brought together in the person of his son, Jesus. I'd like us to look back now at those three points that we've been thinking about this evening from the vantage point we have, not as the people of Israel, but those who are the people of Christ, Christians. So can we have the first slide again, Ian? We have a seeing God. God saw the world's need for a saviour, and he sent us Jesus. Not one called to rescue who was fallible and weak, called to rescue in a certain situation like Gideon, but Jesus, the once for all rescuer. 
Next slide. We have ascending God. In John 3, verse 16, we hear that God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his one and only son. Gideon's mission was to save Israel from Midianites. What was Jesus' mission? He came so that whoever believes in him, anyone in the world, anyone across history, would not die but have the promise of eternal life. And finally, we have an accompanying God. Through our faith in Jesus, we see the beauty of the God in the story of Gideon. This is something we can know personally, accompanying us every day of our lives. Because of the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our advocate, we never need to walk alone, but God goes with us. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and as they do so, I'd like us to look at the final verses of tonight's passage. In verse 21, as the angel disappears in this stunning flame, Gideon cries out in fear, Ah, sovereign Lord, in verse 22, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, look at these beautiful words in verse 23, Peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. Gideon's response to these words is to build an altar to the Lord, which he calls, the Lord is peace. I'd like to invite you to spend the next few minutes thinking about how you could build an altar to God based on what you've heard about him tonight. These three points, God sees us, God sends us, God goes with us. I'm not asking you to go and find some rocks outside and make a pile of them. How could we make an altar? Well, Dion has shown us in her Bible some green markers. Those are places where she has found God to be faithful through those Bible verses. Maybe you could write in the, verse, in the margin of your Bible. Maybe you could put something as a marker on your phone. Maybe you could write in a prayer journal. Or maybe you could pray and commit your thoughts, fears, and longings to God. As we contemplate this God, who sees, sends, and goes with us, he promises us peace. The Lord is peace. Andy and the band are going to sing a song over us now, a beautiful song called Peace, Be Still. I'd love to invite you to sit and listen to it as a prayer. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.